everyone, welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast? The podcast whose host, the person you are listening to, currently has 11,000 followers on TikTok, and almost none of them know that I do this. If they know that I do this, it's not because of my TikTok videos. I'll, I'll tell you that much for free. But, 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 once you cross 10,000 followers on TikTok, something magical happens. And that magical thing is that you can apply to get paid for your TikTok videos, right? Every TikTok video gets you money if you choose for it to do so, right? And naturally, I need to check this out. I need to get paid. If you're going to pay me, right, then let's pay me, right? I'm not going to turn down money from my work, right? And I think that if you work for something and you've entered into an agreement, if you work for something, you should get paid, right? So I joined what's known as a TikTok creator fund. And so far, I have made 60 cents, um, which you know, isn't actually that bad, right? This is not my job. I don't want to treat it as a job because I do it for fun and I've always done it for fun. I just got paid yesterday for it. So I'm just doing this shit for fun. But 60 cents, right, is what I'm at after about two or three days in the TikTok creator fund. 60 cents. And but on my average, if I was to guess how much money or how much views I pull in on TikTok, like on average, it's probably like 2,000 to 5,000 views a day, somewhere in there, right? And then that over some days has given me 60 cents, which honestly, if it's like five cents per thousand views or whatever, fine, right? perfect, right? And it's better than zero. So that's where I'm at. Currently, an internationally known TikTok star who just started getting recognized for being, you know, smart, talented, funny, and handsome, right? And since I am smart, talented, and funny, and handsome, let's capitalize on it. Um, So yeah, that's something that happened to me. And it leads me into something that is a hotbed of debate on twitter.com right now and that is unpaid internships right from what i know right this debate which unpaid internships like whether they should exist or not is not a new thing right people have been debating this i assume since the dawn of time right i assume in the before common era right but when it comes to unpaid internships this time around 2021 from my tracking it went from someone named Jane Slater, who works for NFL Network, I'm pretty sure, right? Where I saw a tweet that said, I posted an opportunity for unpaid internships and people got all pissy at me. I'm I'm paraphrasing here. Um, People got all pissy at me. I don't get it. I did unpaid internships when I was in college, right? And I turned out fine, essentially. And here's the thing about unpaid internships and all that comes with it, right? Internship, I think the problem might actually be that we use the word internship and not the word job for this, but internships are not 
easy breezy, right? If you're going to do an internship, right, a lot of that is like learning whatever field you go in is like bottom of the barrel, bottom of the ladder, but you're learning the ropes, right? You're learning about the goings on at a certain company or in a certain industry, right? But that does not mean that you're not working. In fact, you're probably working pretty hard because you want to know either that you're willing to be in this industry for the long term, right? Either you want to know if you're in interested in that as a potential career path, or two, you're just getting experience and or college credit, right? Or three, right, you need something to do, right? You need something to occupy you. You need to see a new change of scenery, something like that, right? Usually those are sort of the three spaces, but you occupy those spaces at the bottom of the ladder, right? Because an internship is nowhere near like regular employee or boss or a CEO, which means, right, if you're at the bottom, like think about like a pyramid. Let's visualize a pyramid for a second, right? What holds up the pyramid? The bottom. What holds up? What what keeps things afloat? The bottom, right? You need the bottom to support everything, right? Bringing it back to real life, these interns, right, they support things, right? They do tasks that other people, like, quite frankly, are not willing to do, right? They're not going to do what an intern does, right? They feel either that they are above that or they get paid too much for that or they wouldn't do that shit for free, right? And you're expecting an intern, which is like probably a kid, right? Usually like a kid to young adult, usually, right? Like I would say like anywhere from like 15 to 25, right? You're, you're having those people, right? Do all the shit that you definitely wouldn't do for free and probably wouldn't appreciate being asked to do at that stage in your life, right? So interns like the idea of unpaid interns right is honestly to me like kind of a slap in the face because you're doing so much of like the dirty work that other people are not willing to do and people are just saying like yeah you're gonna do the shit that people don't like to see if you even like this place and if you even want to pursue this long term and hopefully you get some valuable experience or college credit or something but also you're not getting any money. So you have to figure this out on your own. And that's a a load of shit, right? I think that if you do work, right, if you perform work, you have the right to ask for money. And I think you have the right to earn money, right? Internships and people do this sort of like building character type of thing. Like, oh, this builds character. You get valuable experience, okay? You can get experience and money, right? Like I've had jobs and those jobs gave me experience, right? Life experience, professional experience, technical experience, social experience, right? And what I also got with that experience was money, right? They they gave me money in addition to my experience. Like those two things don't need to be separated. It's not oil and water, right? You get experience and the money allows you to experience the experience and keep you floating and keep you, you know, above water 
while you get this experience, right? And people have made this observation before. People have made this point before. I'm not the fucking genius here. But if you can work with unpaid internships, like if you are in the position to take an unpaid internship, right? That means that the money is coming from somewhere, right? And if it's not coming from you, right? It's likely some type of parental support, some parental backup, right? Which again, I don't have a problem with a parent supporting their child, right? That's what parents do. They support children, right? So I don't have any type of issue with a parent helping their kid when they're in the internship age, right? But what I have a problem with is that those people are the only ones who really have an opportunity for this valuable experience and really have the opportunity to get that internship because the experience is important, right? To get to higher levels of whatever you need to do or to transfer skills to another field, what you need is experience. You need to learn those skills, whether someone teaches you or you just get thrown to the fire, right? And those people who have a little bit more support, right, in turn, have an easier time getting higher up on whatever ladder they're climbing and people who do not have that support have a harder time getting to those same places right and we talk about the united states of america being this american dream like this idea of upward social mobility which you can believe and say america is great for right but the existence of unpaid internships shows that this American dream, right, this upward social mobility is not something that is just given to Americans, right? It's not something that every American is like easily accessible to, right? It might be something that you can do. It might be something that's possible, right? But we're not talking about possible, right? We're talking about opportunity. We're talking about giving people the chance to do it, right? And if you fuck around with an unpaid internship, right, there's only so many people that can do that, right? If you need money, why would you take something that gives you no money? That doesn't make sense. I need money. Let me do this thing for no money. People aren't going to go for that. That doesn't make sense logically, right? And it's sort of like how also, right, there's another point here where people are like, I did unpaid internship and it sucks, right? And because I went through something that sucks, you should go through something that sucks also, right? And this is not me saying that everything has to be amazing, right? Internships, whether they pay or don't get paid, I'm sure a lot of them suck, right? Just on the basis of being like a low level worker in an organization, I'm sure a lot of them suck, right? But just because I or you went through something shitty, right, doesn't mean that everyone has to, right? Just because I had to go through this doesn't mean that everyone has to. And I think a lot of what people talk about, right, thinking about their parents. I th- I hear a lot of people talking about their parents and the sacrifices that their parents made so that they could have a better life, that the kid can have a better life, right? I think that same 
line of thinking goes here. Even though you're not like everyone's parent, right? We work through this. Things are changed now. You, the next generation, the kids, have a better life, right? I think it's the same line of thinking. The only difference is you're not directly related to the kids who are, or most of the kids who are doing internships. And that's the one thing, right, that you're not related to them. I think if people realize that sort of line of thinking between parental sacrifice and what's happening now, which I, I don't think is dissimilar, maybe we have just a little bit, just a little bit more compassion for for the people toiling away at internships and all of that, right? And it, and again, brings me back to this person. I believe her name is Jane Slater. It could be Jen Slater, but I'm going to say it's Jane Slater. Yeah, it's Jane Slater. Um, that are that are do that's doing this. She has a Wikipedia page and all that, so you can you can look up Jane Slater if you want. But she now like she took on unpaid internships by her own admission, right? And she's now working for NFL Network, which is congrats to her, right? She's made it in a career which I assume is what the goal was for a while and she made it there right fantastic salute right but if you were supported right and you have parental backup right then that's like a privilege that you have to recognize or i should say that you should recognize in certain situations right because again if parents support you, that's what parents do. They support kids, right? But not everyone is able to support their kids in the same way. And not everyone has received that support. So when you're giving advice to people, right? And the, this is someone who's worked as like college advisor, like helping people go to college, things like that. When you're giving advice to people and you're relying on your own experience, right? You have to realize that your experience is not universal, right? There's experiences that happen outside of your own, right? And in order to give advice, right? And like thinking about what advice to give and what to not give, right? If you're giving advice to someone, right? And they don't have the same opportunities or don't have the same safety net that you do, right? Then that's bad advice, right? If I say, go take on three unpaid internships, stockpile that experience, and then parlay that into a career for someone who does not have money in the same way, right? You're good. You're not going to, you're not going to get through to that person, right? Because that person needs money and they need experience, right? So if that experience is, say, working at a fast food restaurant, right? Let's say they're going to college and they're working at McDonald's, right? Now, what I would do, because McDonald's isn't seen as, you know, a glamorous job, right? What I would do for that person who's working at McDonald's, needs money, cannot do the unpaid internship type thing because they need money, right, for whatever reason, right, but they're balancing school and work, right? One is you have time management, right? You can balance your time between school and work and however many hours that is, whatever distance you have to drive to get to work from school, school back to work, all that, family time, all that, right? You you have that. You also have, like, 
experience working with a team. McDonald's is a team. You're a team player. You can lead certain tasks, right? You have worked with customers, right? You have experience working with customers, working in a fast-paced environment, working in an unpredictable environment because customers is unpredictable, right? You have skills that translate broadly, right? Customer service, right? Working within a team, having to think on your feet, unpredictable days and nights, right? Time management. Those are things that you can do or parlay into almost any like office job, right? Almost any office job and for almost any task, right? You can work your way into interview to say that you can do so many things thanks to your time at McDonald's, at at a, as a cashier in the kitchen, at the drive-through, all of that, that multitasking shit, that think on your feet shit, that working with a team, that communicating with strangers every single day, right? That's what I would do for someone like that is if you don't have any experience in that field, think about the transferable skills that you have, right? If you can't take an internship because you're taking care of your family, right? And maybe like a relative is sick or you have like a younger sibling, right? Then it's the same thing, right? Time management, like working with young people or working with elderly, right? You know, taking care of their needs, being emotionally intelligent and responsive. Those are transferable skills. It's not go take the thing that doesn't make you money, right? It's not go do another thing that's not going to make you money because you need money to live, In this country, you need money. So if you do not have money, you are not going to live. And therefore, the advice of taking unpaid internships is bad advice, right? And that's sort of where I'm at with this, right? Is your your personal experience, right? And your come up is not universal and not everyone can do it in the same way. So when you're giving advice to someone, right? You need to, or say life advice, right? You need to be aware of the privileges that you carry and that you have taken advantage of, right? Because not everyone has done it, right? Not everyone can do it. Not everyone is willing to do it, right? Um, And in the same vein of sports, because as far as I can tell, this story started in the sports world. Um, there's another thing in the sports world that has been um, bothering me just a little bit. It's been, it's been chapping my ass just a wee bit, just a little chap in the ass. And that is nerds are ruining sports. There's this idea that nerds are ruining sports. And by nerds, they mean people who are heavy on analytics, heavy on numbers, heavy on data, right? And this sprung about because there was a dunk about a week ago, right, in the NBA, right? There was a monster dunk by a man named Anthony Edwards over a man named Yuta Watanabe. And both of these men are basketball players, so they're very tall. But it was an impressive dunk. It looked cool to watch. It was impressive feat of athleticism, right, by by Anthony Edwards. Yuta Watanabe, tough, tough shit, right? Get good luck next time. Go up and at him. Recover. Learn from this, right? But people were 
sort of happy that this dunk existed, right? It's a cool dunk. And I am among those people like that was amazing. That was an awesome dunk. And I'm glad that you did it, right? And then there are people that were sort of being a little bit persnickety, a little bit snarky, a little bit snooty because Anthony Edwards did not have a great game. He was an inefficient game that time. If I remember right, he didn't score that many points and he took a lot of shots, right? So he had an inefficient game and he had just one highlight play. And the what we're going to call the nerds here, like the quote unquote nerds, those people were sort of pushing back against this. Like, why are you celebrating this game that didn't really... Um, or this moment in this game that didn't really define the performance in the game, right? And I think that's sort of where the quote-unquote nerds were coming from, right? And then I saw from Bleacher's Report a few days later, or maybe even a week later, right, about this whole nerds are ruining sports thing. And that video that Bleacher Report put out, right, said at the end, right, leave the cheering to the real fans, And I think that's where I think I have the most problems, right? Is policing who can be or who cannot be a real fan, right? Of sport. Like, it was a fan of sports. Not like a real fan of a team, right? Not like a real fan of, like, your favorite team. No. It's saying, like, real sports fans. And here's where my problem lies here. It's that if you're among the analytics camp, which I am not like gung-ho analytics or everything, that is not me. But if you're in that camp, like you lean more on the analytical side of sports, right? I wouldn't say that you are not a true fan or you're not a real fan. I think what's happening here with the increasing accessibility of the internet, social media, computer science, right? People have access to so many tools that it's allowing people to enjoy sports in a different way, right? And you can disagree with me on this. You can think that maybe charts and graphs are not sports, even if the charts and graphs are related to sports. I can get that, right? But I think people are enjoying sports in a different way, right? And there's what we can maybe call like the jock sports fans that don't give a fuck about analytics in that way, right? Those people are saying that the nerds are ruining sports, right? And to my knowledge, the nerds have not said that these other people are ruining sports. I have not seen that. It might have happened, but I haven't seen it, right? But when you have the analytics and when you have the non-analytics, right, and you have discussions, right, then we get interesting conversations and topics and things like that, right? And you can say... The way the analytics discussion goes is not productive. You can say overuse of analytics in sports is not productive and it makes for a worse product. We can talk about that. I think an example of overuse of analytics might be the Tampa Bay Rays when they took Blake Snell out of the World Series not too long ago, if you remember that. Or something like the Boston Celtics a few years ago, back when they still had Kyrie, where they had sort of an amalgamation of like pretty good players, but like the system wasn't there. Same thing maybe with like the Houston Rockets when they had like uh, the same thing, like a bunch of like pretty good cards in the deck, but not like your Exodia piece, you know? Um, that's something that 
you can say the analytics are not working out for this particular sport or this particular team, right? I get that, right? But analytics is not something that's going away in sports, right? And while I don't believe that you should let analytics get in the way of a cool athletic feat, right? I think that if something amazing happens in sports, that is not the time for analytics, right? Just we should let people have fun a little bit before you bring the analytics into it, right? But when it comes to enjoying analytics, following the analytics, and then not being called a real fan, even though you are consuming sports just in a different way, right? I think that is a bit off base here, right? And to say that they're ruining sports, I think is a bit off base here because what is even sports TV, right? Think about ESPN, Fox, whoever else puts sports on the fucking TV, right? Those talk shows, those debate shows is coming from sports at multiple angles, right? And analytics is one of the angles that you can go from, right? And analytics doesn't exist in a bathroom. It's not black and white. I think I said, I meant to say it exists in a vacuum, but I said bathroom. But analytics isn't like all the way over to the right and jocks are all the way over to the left. That's not exactly how this works, right? You can mention analytics, you can sprinkle in your analytics, right? Where appropriate, where appropriate, right? And go from there. Sorry, I just like yawned. Bodily functions not doing me a whole lot of solids right now. Right? But you can sprinkle analytics where you need it, or you can sprinkle in the anti-analytics, and you can work with that, and you can create interesting discussions surrounding the analytics. Is it good? Is it bad? Right? Is this team doing things the right way? Are they rebuilding? Are they going for a championship? What do the statistics say? Right? That's something that we can talk about and go from another angle. And to me, that doesn't ruin sports, right? What that does is that adds a layer of richness to sports, right? Even if I don't fully partake in the analytics side, and I think that over-reliance on analytics does not provide the best outcome from your team a whole lot of times, right? I'm willing to have that discussion, right? I'm willing to have that discussion and see where the analytics were placed poorly and when the analytics were placed well, right? When those analytics were truly analyticing and when they were not, right? I I think, again, I guess that also counts as analytics in sports, but that's sort of where I'm coming from with that. If you're a nerd, you're not ruining sports. You're still a nerd, right? And however you feel about nerd is up to you. You're still a nerd, but you're not ruining your sports. And you can know that because I said so. So there you have it, right? Um, and speaking about being ruined, right? Speaking about ruining things, um, I saw something earlier yesterday and this was the reason why I didn't record everything yesterday because I saw this and I wanted to talk about it and like learn more about it right um and it's also on Twitter and it's about Taylor Swift right so Taylor Swift you probably know and back in the day like 2015 or whatever 
Taylor Swift was known for writing songs about her exes, her ex-boyfriends. And those ex-boyfriends happen to be famous a lot of the time, right? So people can, you know, put two and two together, connect their own dots, and tell who these songs were about, right? Especially if you're like the fans, right? And that was a joke, right, for a long time. Whether that joke is inappropriate or sexist, I think we can talk about that. I definitely think there is some sexism at play here, right? And I'll explain a little bit. Um, And when it comes to the joke being used, it was kind of a tired joke, right? Like Taylor Swift runs through men, writes songs about them, dumps them, right? That was sort of the joke, but people don't really say that anymore. Even if you don't like Taylor Swift, people don't really say that anymore. But Netflix has a show where they basically said, you switch men more so than Taylor Swift does, essentially. And we know that Taylor Swift did not take too kindly to that, right? And she was calling it, I don't know if she called it sexist or misogynistic or both, but Taylor Swift said, absolutely not. This joke about me was inappropriate to this Netflix show, right? And people were agreeing and saying that the writers were at fault for this. And I just want to take a second here. Because, well, this may be true that this is a case of sexism for the writers, right? I think that we're not thinking about every wrinkle of what a fictional character is. Because the person who said it was a fictional character in the Netflix show, right? Fictional characters don't necessarily reflect the belief of the people that write the fictional characters, right? If you write a villain, right, that's patterned off of Mussolini, that doesn't mean that the author sympathizes with Mussolini. It could, right? Some some authors probably have done that and sympathize with Mussolini, but I'm saying it doesn't mean that, right? That's not what that means necessarily, right? So when it come when it comes back to when it comes back to this, right? And this fictional character making this Taylor Swift joke, right? It could be that the character the design of the character would make a joke like that. Even if it's outdated, even if it's sexist, right? The character could make a joke about Taylor Swift and perfectly be in line with that character. And I haven't watched this Netflix show. I haven't even remembered the name, right? But when it comes to that, it could be part of the character, right? And I think a lot of times, right? Not just with this show and the Taylor Swift situation, but a lot of times... I see a character say something that a general audience doesn't necessarily agree with, right? And then they'll say that this is why this is problematic, or this is why this character is bad, or this is why writers shouldn't write something, certain things like this because they disagree with what the character said. And I think sometimes people mistake the character for the writer, right? The writer wrote the character, but the character is not the writer. The character is not what the writer exactly thinks. Otherwise, whoever was writing the script for Michael Scott is Michael Scott. And I don't think, I don't think that's true, right? I just, I just don't think that that is what happened, right? And 
Well, this isn't the case every time. Like, I think with Taylor Swift being a real person, right, this is something that you can accuse of being misogynist, sexist, and I won't have a problem with that, right? I'll, I'll agree, right? There's sexism at play, right? But I think we, sometimes we conflate character and writer in a way that isn't actually productive because what the character said made sense for their character and maybe added something to whatever the movie or TV or book was. But what when it comes to <clears throat> when it comes to this, there is something that we need a little bit of nuance with, a little bit of methodology, right? To see is this actually a bad character, right? Or is this something that the character would do and it actually makes sense for the character and therefore is a good character, right? Like, think about bullies and villains, right? What makes the bullies and villains great? Not that the person who wrote them is a villain, but they were able to make it so that it fits their character, their dialogue fits their character, right? That's what we're looking at here, right? And the last thing I want to touch on here um, is a while back, a few weeks ago, I made a video about TikTok star only Jayus, where if I have 11,000 followers, she has like 10 million, right? And I made a, a podcast about her getting canceled and why and what that means exactly, right? And what I tend to say when this happens is I don't know how they can come back from this. Because only Jayus, if you're not going to listen to my other episode or if you don't care, right? She got caught saying the N-word with the hard R, right? That's a large reason why she was canceled by TikTok, right? And this whole cancel culture thing. And she took a step back from TikTok from like a week, only Jay Sid. And in my mind, I'm thinking there's no way that she can come back for this, right? Only Jayus came back to TikTok after about a week and a half and started posting mostly what her normal videos were, right? I say this because I'm just weirdly curious about what the heck only JS is going to do after getting caught like that, right? But she started making videos, right? Like about a week and a half, two weeks after getting caught with all these things. And it's not like pretending that nothing happened, right? But she's doing them to success, right? And then it got me thinking about the what cancel culture is because I had no fucking idea that only JS who got canceled by using the n-word with the hard r would come back to TikTok two years later I never thought that that would happen right which is for me in this I don't know where they can come back for this in this sort of path to redemption right is if you get canceled do you even need to worry about coming back because only JS, I'm sure, lost followers and all that. But since I'm weirdly curious about what she does, and I check in from the videos from time to time, right? I know that she's doing well views-wise, engagement-wise with her content. A lot of that is because they miss her. A lot of that is because they don't like her and wondering why that's back, right? But... A lot of that is sort of valid when I think we're we're talking about this and this path to redemption. Because what I'm thinking is you don't even need to come back, right? You just need to focus on who still likes you, right? After all the all the cancellation happens, right? Because only JS now that she's back watching 
video or making videos and doing well, and I'm assuming making money off of them, right? Even though they got canceled, nothing happened, right? In the grand scheme of things, nothing happened. Like they lost some followers, but still have most of them and are still getting really high engagement and views on the video, which means that you're going to be making more money, which means why the fuck are we even canceling people if that's what's going to happen, right? I thought Only Jays deserved to be canceled for longer than what she apparently is, right? And it just got me thinking, like, if you're big enough, if you're popular enough, one, you can survive being canceled. And two, how many cancellations can you survive before people, like, actually make you do stuff, right? Because only Jayas, I'm sure she, like, read a book or, like, a chapter of a book, right? But she came back same as ever, right? No proof that she's put in the work to become less racist, right? And just doing the damn thing again. So it's like, is cancel culture real? Right? I've ping-ponged between is cancel culture real or not and sometimes i think it's real and people never come back and some things i think this is just what people say and there's no actual weight to it and only jay is coming back and having success on tiktok after being massively canceled like so many people were disgusted by her unfollowed her don't want to associate with her she lost brand deals if she can come back and still work and still make money right off of this then cancel culture has a fucking short shelf life and maybe maybe we we try and come up with something new right if canceling people just isn't fucking working you know um but with that i'm going to end it there right and just know i want you to know if you take away anything it's to give good advice don't give that hyper privilege advice give some good advice and with that i need to go and do other things. So I will see you next time. Thank you for watching, listening, paying attention. Hope you have a good day or night. I love you. Goodbye. Dot com.